0: Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Leifert Jr.
1: And it's me, Rachel Lindsay.
0: Rachel Lynn Lindsay. We are recording a day early and releasing a day early because, Rachel Lynn, you yeah. got some things to go do.
1: Yep, yep. Got to go out of town for a wedding. Um, appreciative to the Higher Learning fam for accommodating my schedule.
0: love you. It's a big deal. Um... <laughs> Rachel. Fan. I drew up a couple of notes about Oak Cliff, the show.
1: My, why you got my sister texting me about this? Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, my gosh, on the Ponderosa. People are really excited about this. I told you what to make a movie about. Yeah.
0: Oak Cliff. Well, what should I make a movie about? What were what you saying? You,
1: the coldest winter ever.
0: Oh, you know, we can do that. Like, that's 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 that, great. I
1: don't know why that's never even been made into a movie I yet. think
0: the, I think the reason why it hasn't been made into a movie is because you probably can't get the money from Hollywood to make the coldest winter ever. You probably can't get the money to make it. That's probably why you haven't seen that, you know? We do a bunch of different movies on slave owners! But when we need to do a movie... They, they haven't done a movie... That could be a show. They haven't done a movie on the Haitian Revolution. Haitian Revolution, uh, most successful slave revolt... Slaves took over their country Slaves took their country Okay And I haven't made a movie About the Haitian <laughs> Revolution Vid Vid Vidy vid, vid Okay Vid vidy vid
1: I just want to go ahead And say from Cough, time calf, to time You're going to calf. hear You can tell in my vid, voice viddy, That I'm not 100% vid. I have taken Four COVID tests At this point Two rapids Two PCRs I am negative It's my allergies They're driving me crazy I think anybody who's living in L.A. right now knows exactly what I'm talking about. Even my dogs have allergies.
0: You guys, uh, we have a treat coming up later on in the show. We have one of the hosts of the Fifth Column podcast and the gentleman who did the now very controversial interview with Amy Cooper on Barry Weiss's Honestly podcast, my friend. And oh, 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 yeah, he's my friend. He's my homeboy. Uh, Camille Foster is going to join us today on Higher Learning. Rach, you're excited about that?
1: I am curious more than anything. Van has talked up Camille. We've heard a lot about him. Um, we've seen him on Bill Maher. That's how he first came to my attention. So um, I'm intrigued. I can't wait to hear what old Camille has to say.
0: Yeah, yeah he'll be here. He'll be here. You'll be able to talk to him. Um, now, Rachel. There's been a development. We talked about it. We asked for it. And it's mm-hmm. happened. New York mm-hmm. Governor Andrew Aklomo uh-huh. is out. He has resigned. Um, after the mountain of sexual assault and sexual harassment. I should say sexual harassment. Sexual harassment and assault. He was touching.
1: It's both. Um, it's both, yeah. Yeah.
0: After a mountain of those allegations came to light, he has, in fact, uh, resigned. He said, given the circumstances, the best way I can help now, he's talking about the people of New York, is if I step aside and let the government begin back to government, and therefore that is what I'll do. Because I work for you, and doing the right thing is doing the right thing for you. He said that in a televised address. Uh, the lieutenant government, who is a lady, is set to take over. Um, and look, he's gone. And the fallout from it is just beginning. People are now Actually, starting to come for Chris Cuomo's head. They want, they want Chris, Chris Cuomo out of there because during this entire time, you know, it's been uh, revealed that Chris Cuomo was, in fact, advising his brother on how to best handle that. And for a lot of women and a lot of people who watch CNN, that is a no go for them.
1: But, but, but see, this is where I, I have a, an issue with that. What does advising entail? Advising could have been like, you're wrong and you need to resign. Like what you're doing right now, you're making a fool of yourself and you need to step aside. Like you have no idea what these private conversations were. Advise, like that that word is, is a very general word. So I feel like it's too much of a jump to say that advice meant he was supporting him and telling him how to avoid it. It could be the complete opposite.
0: Yeah, it could be. It could be. But I think Chris Cuomo will be fine. I think he'll weather this. But I think there are a lot of people who, when situations like this happen, they're ready just to excise all of it and, you know, let it drain, get rid of everyone and start anew. And if it seems as if Chris Cuomo was in any way helping his brother, I can understand why there are a lot of people who will watch the show and not feel quite as trusting towards him as they weren't as they once were.
1: See, it more so bothers me that he doesn't report on it. That that to me is more of a of an issue than it is. It's his brother at the end of the day. Like I, I just think, and they're not even in the same field. To me, that's a separate issue. Right. But I want you to report what's in the news and well, what's relevant.
0: Apparently, he is contractually. It's in his contract no, that he has talked have to, about that last right. time. Right. So it's in his contract. Doesn't. But CNN said that they made an exception. Because of the extraordinary times that were going on during the pandemic, they made an exception and they allowed it. But it doesn't seem as if they're willing to make the same exception now that the the circumstances surrounding Andrew yeah. Cuomo are pretty extraordinary.
1: They could have gotten around that. He could have he could have gone. He didn't have to come on Chris's show. Chris didn't have to interview him. Could have gone on Don Lemon. He could have gone on Anderson Cooper. There were ways around this. Yeah.
0: So uh, that's really not much else to report there. Um, Andrew Cuomo has resigned uh, he maintains he's defiant towards the end he has maintained that this was a political hit job and that this was a witch hunt and now kathy hockle uh, who is also a democrat is going to have her chance her seat in the governor's mansion and we'll see how things go up there in new york um yep. one thing that the governor was right about is you know not just new york but states all around the union have a lot to deal with in terms of dealing with COVID-19. So we'll see how yeah. uh, how New York is able to bounce back from this. And then we'll also see what happens to Andrew Cuomo. Where
2: mm-hmm. does Andrew
0: Cuomo go? Like, does Andrew Cuomo uh, go gently into that good night? Or does he do what he's been doing this entire time, which is, you know, go to the mattresses and fight this thing uh, as viciously as he can. It'll be interesting to see what his future is. Yeah, well. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. On the other side of this break, we're going to come back and we are going to talk to one of the co-hosts of the Fifth Column Podcast, Camille Foster, on his very, very spicy interview with Amy Cooper. (laughs) Check back in with us. This episode is brought to you by Shea Moisture. We finally got some deodorants designed specifically for people with rich melanin skin from Shea Moisture. And they're amazing. Made with Shea butter and black dermatologist approved these deodorants give you and your skin the care that it needs. Now, here's the thing, Rachel.
1: Okay.
0: The deodorants came to the house.
1: Yes, me too.
0: You got yours. I got them. Kalika picked one up mm-hmm. specifically. And I was like, oh, why are you picking that one up? And she said, because it says it's even underarm tone. Mm-hmm. And she goes like, sometimes when you use the other deodorants, they leave like your underarms untoned or something like that. And she was so excited to have, it. she went back and she started using it right there, which made me wonder if she had put deodorant on for the day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she just reapplied. Maybe she,
0: but, but like, so that's a, it's a huge deal. And I've been using it too. It's very great. It's good. It smells good. The whole yeah. Day.
1: No, no, no. It is good. And it's last long. Like mm-hmm. I'm a sweater. Mm-hmm. So I need something strong. And I need, in addition to I like that it evens out the underarm. I like the moisture and all of that, but it's the, I need it to last long. And this lasts for, it's a 48 hour sweat and odor protection, which is key. Wow.
0: Uh, Get the protection your skin deserves. Tap
3: the banner to learn more or visit SheaMoisture.com. This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire, you're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com.
0: Okay, Thought Warriors. We are in for a treat. This has been a long time coming, actually. I've mentioned this name on the podcast a couple of times. I actually went over and did his podcast called the fifth column which was a big treat i loved. i I did the podcast and everybody was like these are the types of conversations that we need to have more often." it was very precious he like i said he is the host of the fifth column podcast one third if i believe i think you guys have three hosts over there on the fifth column Mm -hmm. um and also a gentleman who i really enjoy talking to we don't Typically agree, but we might agree more than people think that we do, but he's in the news right now for being one of the messiest people on earth, because we had completely forgot about this Amy Cooper, Christian Cooper, nonsense from last summer. We had moved on, she was living in obscurity somewhere in Siberia with no internet, and we had completely forgotten about it. But leave it to Camille Foster. To dig into this situation and having a lot of people asking questions about it, about how right we were, how wrong we were, and about the role that the media played uh, in this particular situation. Um. So, Camille, we appreciate you joining us today on on Higher Learning, man. Appreciate the invitation,
4: and I, okay. that's a great introduction as
0: well. I appreciate oh, that. Thank you very much. So, <laughs> in case you guys, we talked about it, we talked a little bit about it on the podcast last week, uh, Camille was on the podcast, honestly, with Barry Weiss. And on the particular episode that came out last week, a couple of weeks ago. Now was it a couple of weeks ago now? Last week. Yeah. Last week. Uh they revisited the story of Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper. Of course you guys remember this story. It was along the same time that the nation was dealing with its racial reckoning. Uh and it was between two people that were in Central Park and found themselves at odds about decorum, about uh bird watching, the ramble, all of these things that we did not know we, the, that we, we needed to know. <laughs> um, but it was an inter- interaction caught on video. And after the video was released, uh, the nation was on fire about whether or not Amy Cooper had weaponized her whiteness um, and weaponized race in order to scare and alert the police uh, about who Christian Cooper was. Um, I'm sure you guys know this story. Uh, I'm not going to rehash the entire thing. We've talked about it here on Higher Learning. Camille, you decided to take a look at this story, mm-hmm. which ended with the, if we're being honest, uh, the firing of Amy Cooper, criminal charges against Amy Cooper. Really, the she was ostracized from society in a way. Mm-hmm. And you decided to take a look at it to see whether or not the treatment of Amy Cooper was fair. Why? Well, the first thing that alerted me to the fact that something
4: odd had gone on here was a couple of weeks ago, around the one-year anniversary of this whole fiasco, um, I saw an article about Amy having filed a lawsuit against her former employer. And buried in the details of this article is this story about a kid named Jerome Lockett, which I believe the article described him as the 30-something young Black man who, in the weeks before Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper met in the ramble and had their dust up. Jerome and Christian Cooper had met in the ramble and had a dust up. And Jerome had actually pushed Christian Cooper. There was some sort of physical altercation that arose. And what really surprised me wasn't just that I was just learning about the fact that that had happened maybe a couple of weeks beforehand, but that NBC News knew about it and had talked, about, talked to Jerome Lockett, but they never reported on this. And there was just this one line, NBC News, you know, interviewed Jerome Lockett around the time of this encounter. And I could not for the life of me figure out why they would have interviewed him, but not published the story because it seemed like a really big deal. And I went and found the legal filing. I ended up reading the correspondence between Jerome Lockett and the NBC News producers, which is in the legal filing. And I reached out to Amy's lawyer who's representing her in that case. And I said, I want to talk to Amy. Um, which, interestingly, she hadn't talked to anyone. She hadn't done a, a serious interview more than, you know, five minutes long with anyone um, until we sat down and talked.
0: Hmm. Well, yeah, I, I didn't even know what her voice sounded like other than shrieking either. in Central Park. Uh, <laughs> no, Rachel.
1: Um, OK, I listened to the whole interview. OK. And I, I swear to you, Camille, I went in with an open mind. <laughs> and I think my because 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 you asked us to right like right, I we should say the we should
0: say that real quick we talked about it here and I get a text from Camille and Camille said hey Van you guys should really listen to the podcast yeah um and and then sort of make up your mind and I hadn't at that point I'll be honest and I don't know if Rachel had so we both did.
1: Yes, but I also listened to your fifth column podcast before where you were talking about how this interview was coming up. And I was listening to you talk to your co-host and you were saying how like it would you and I'm paraphrasing you'd be hard pressed for you to listen to this interview and not think about it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't I know I'm paraphrasing there. That so sounds I about was right. like, okay, I'm gonna go in here. I'm listening to this. I had high expectations. I said, you know what? Maybe I got this <laughs> oh, wrong. No. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong, Camille. Uh Uh-huh. Camille. Yeah, tell me. I found it very frustrating. Okay. For a number of reasons, okay? But I think the... uh, I'll start here. Let me ask you this, Mm because in listening to the entire thing and you're uncovering these things that had happened to Amy in her past, um, the current state of the world with COVID... There's a 911 call where it's, her voice is breaking up and, and, or to the operator and they can't hear each other and you're attributing all these things to maybe why she was acting that way. What frustrated me is there, there seemed to be so much deference given to the things that she was saying and maybe call them excuses or her point of view or whatever, but never, did you address this? And I'm asking you, maybe you did. Do you think that race played a part In what happened in the ramble at all.
4: So there's two there's two questions, right? I think there's one sense in which race plays an obvious part in why the story matters so much to us and to the press. It's it's the reason we know about this story. Whether or not race played a part at all in Amy Cooper's interaction with Christian Cooper that day in the park is necessarily speculative. It is definitely true. That at some moment in their interaction, Amy Cooper says to Christian Cooper before she jumps on the phone, Well, if you're not going to stop recording me, I'm going to call the police. I'm going to tell them that an African American man is threatening my life. Now, whether she is saying this descriptively or she is saying this in order to invoke race and terrify him and try to scare him off is. A question that I asked her, and I think her answer there is one that you know, I'll let stand. And I should say something about that in a moment. Um, but I don't know why Amy said that. Um, she gave me an answer, and I know that most people have made up their mind about this. Christian Cooper certainly has. From Christian Cooper's perspective, she was knowingly, wittingly digging into this reservoir of hate and contempt in America's background, um, and she was using that to try to, to frighten him. Um, but from Amy's perspective, you know, she says that I was a woman alone in the park. I was afraid. And I thought to myself, you know, what am I going to say to this 911 operator? And I think what I probably did was just say out loud what I was thinking I would say when I got on the phone, I gave a description of him and I would have said the same thing if it was a white man or a white woman. And it doesn't actually sound that way in the honestly podcast. There's a, a, I think, unfortunate edit in the audio. But that is exactly what she said. And actually, if you listen to this past week's fifth column, you'll hear that full response in there.
0: So here's the, the thing for me. So uh, I listened to the podcast and there are several things that are that the podcast confronts. It confronts the shrieking nature in which. The 911 call appeared on the video, you know, because remember, mm-hmm. if people remember the video, she's screaming, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I even right. said here on this very podcast, she's trying she's to getting get progressively mansion. more excited. Right. Yeah. But to to be honest with you, if you listen to the podcast, there is an explanation as to why she's doing that. The 911 office, uh, operator can't really hear her. It's like they're breaking up. So she's screaming. So that she can actually tell the person where she is, you know, tell or, or describe the scene or whatever. So mm-hmm. there are things that were enlightening in listening to it. This is the 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 question I have for you. Um, so I'll come back to why I feel that descriptor that she uses matters, uh, and why people feel the way feel that way. Um, I definitely think she was trying to scare him. I just don't understand the reason why you would bring that up or say that without. I just don't get that why why he has to be an African American man in that in that particular situation. It seems like an extra level of fear that she was assigning to uh as you say his phenotypic type. Mm-hmm. Uh an extra <laughs> level of fear that she was assigning to him. But I guess I'll ask this. When I listened to the podcast, it seemed as if and we talked about this because we had a conversation on the phone that you were dead set on proving that it wasn't racist so in one in one breath you say that you don't know but it seems by the podcast you've made a clear determination if i just listen to it intellectually unfold that Mm -hmm. race is less of a part of it than we might have perceived am i wrong about that no
4: listen i think there's a sense in which that that's necessarily true there is a way that people know this story and the the general sensibility that most people have about this story is Christian Cooper went out into the park. He met a white lady. All he did was ask her to leash her dog. And then she went crazy. She just went totally nuts on him. And she said, I'm gonna call the police and tell him a black man is threatening my life. The the, the general sense that most people have is that she completely contrived that. And not only did she contrive that, not, not only do we never see him threaten her life or threaten her at all, like we... We see her say that she's being threatened and he's black. And what I tried to do was give people a sensibility about what happened on either side of that 40 second clip that we've all seen. And more than that, I tried to uncover things that for whatever reason, journalists who reported on this story, and again, this happens in New York City. New York City is the journalism capital of the world. New York City has more journalists per square mile than any place on earth. And they were all over the story. There were hundreds and hundreds of stories written in the space of a couple of weeks. And nobody bothered to find a lot of the details that I was able to find over the course of a couple months, more than a year and a half removed from the story. And what I discovered was that people had certain things and never published them. People had access to certain things that didn't bother to look at them. And there were even journalists at major publications who got wind of certain things, who spoke to certain people like Jerome Lockett and who decided for whatever reason not to cover this. And that process, that kind of systematic bias or incuriosity, not a conspiracy, but that sort of systematic bias created a one-sided account. And it's necessarily the case that when I go through and I surface stuff that other people have ignored, it's probably going to muddle the picture in a way that is going to make it less likely that Amy Cooper is the racist caricature that she's been portrayed to be and you know i think it could be you know well this is camille's bias we knew he would tell this story but it could also be well you got one a one sided narrative to begin with you know if by the end of the podcast with camille you're introduced to a couple of things that make you say huh well this is a little more complicated i do wonder if she had some justifiable reason to be scared since the guy she was interacting with had been in two physical altercations in the prior months in the same park because he had a habit of confronting people in the park in a way that he knew would frighten them.
1: I think that is the most frustrating part to me because there's a lot of speculation here. And I think maybe that's why journalists shied away from, from bringing this to the table because you're talking about him having interactions with other people, mm-hmm. physical acts. Um, Uh, interaction where Jerome pushed him down, right? And and even in that story, he pursued Jerome. Like, he was following him. That's what Jerome says, right? That's not Amy's story. That's an isolated incident, and it seemed to me that you were putting them on the same page, and you even used the word infer at one point. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of—you're having to infer what could have happened in that incident. You're speculating what could have happened based on prior incidents that aren't really the same. I mean, Jerome, he lured—I He, think he used the word lure— he was following him. That's not with Amy. With Amy, he said the words, which I didn't know until I listened to the podcast, was he said, if you do what you do, I'm gonna do what I have to do. Right. She says, what? Okay. That's allegedly the threat, right? Mm-hmm. She says what? Then he immediately shows her what what is. It was a dog treat.
4: Well, no, it wasn't
1: following her.
4: That's correct. That's not really his account. Yeah. His account is a little different than that. The correction just in terms of the timeline. And you're you are correctly for the most part rendering what Christian Cooper's transcript of the dance is, that he says, if you're going to do what you want to do, I'm going to do what I want to do, and you're not going to like it. And she says, in response to that, what? And then he says, come here, puppy. And she says, he's not going to come to you. And then he reaches in his bag for the dog treats. This is his description. And then he starts to beckon to the dog again. And in Christian Cooper's transcript, he writes in all caps with, I believe, an exclamation point, Leave my dog alone. Something to that effect. Like stop it. Whatever it is. At this point, she's kind of concerned. Um, so so the interaction is a little dog.
1: different. It's between the dog and Christian. Is what I'm trying to say. Like the threat is the do- mm-hmm. her dog and and uh, and Christian. And she says, and so like if he's threatening, if she perceives those words, "You do what you're going to do. I'm going to do what I'm going to do." As the threat, then her response is, "I'm going to tell them an African American man is threatening me." She's her. Th- he threatens her. That's her threat. That's why, to piggyback on what Van is saying, it is so hard to separate that because she responds with those words, which is why people say she weaponized them. And I mm-hmm. think that that was hard. I was trying to say, OK, let me be open minded and see this. But those incidents that are brought to the table or him at a, a meeting for bird watchers saying how dogs off the leash is a problem. He's obviously passionate about it. But does it escalate to the point of you're able to take the Jerome incident and then say that's exactly what happened to Amy. Amy felt the same thing Jerome felt right, in that moment. Right, right. I don't think you can.
4: Right. And, and I, think, I think you're right. At, at a minimum, there is a bit of sort of detective work that's going on here. But this is an important, important clarification. We were just recounting things from Christian Cooper's perspective. That's Christian Cooper's transcript. And there are things in there that Amy Cooper agrees with. Yes, he did say, if you're going to do what you want to do, I'm going to do what I want to do. But- He didn't say that in like a calm, simple way. And the way he approached me was not a polite, could you please put your dog on the leash? He was, I heard a booming voice from behind me. I turned around. Yeah, I turned around and I was surprised to see, you know, this big guy like with a helmet, like doing this weird thing. And she said he made several threats during the course of their interaction. Again, this is her word against his. But what I did with the Jerome Lockett account, and I should say that I didn't. I didn't only have the Jerome Lockett account. I talked to numerous people who had interactions with, or at least purportedly had interactions with um, Christian Cooper. And each of these people gave me very unusually similar accounts of their experiences with Christian Cooper. And it's worth mentioning that Jerome Lockett's account of what happened in that park with Christian Cooper is something that materialized days after. And actually a day after is when I believe the first of these emails that Jerome sent um, was sent to like a national media organization. And the similarities, the parallels are really uncanny. The detail about this helmet that Jerome, um, not Jerome, but Christian was carrying, that he was kind of wielding in a way that both Amy and many other people have described as somewhat threatening, the yelling, the kind of really hysterical response to people. the The Picture that it painted for me. And again, I'm a journalist and I didn't approach this and say, This is definitively what happened. I said, There's an odd pattern here where there's a man who's particularly concerned about an issue, who's going to the park and who's looking for people who are violating the rules, as he describes it in that transcript. I carry these dog treats just for such intransigence. The suggestion is that you've done this before, many times, and you do it specifically because you know it makes people uncomfortable. I should can I say one more thing because I don't want because this sounds like i'm I'm beating up on Christian Cooper. Sure. I don't think Christian Cooper is a bad dude. I don't think Christian Cooper was going to hurt Amy. It is obvious that those treats were not poisoned. But I do think that Christian Cooper has been presented in a particular way, and that everyone has assumed that his account of events and his demeanor must have been, You know, completely ordinary. And it's one thing to say that Christian Cooper didn't do anything wrong. that He didn't break any laws that he didn't break any rules. It's another thing entirely to suggest that all he did was ask her to leash her dog because even by his account, that is not factually accurate.
1: Didn't he say in that meeting with, there's a, for those listening and haven't listened to the podcast yet, there's a meeting that Christian's attending where he's complaining. I'm not sure what type of meeting it is. And he's talking about people. Yeah. Thank you. He's talking about people in the dog, uh, in the, in the Ramble that have their, their dogs off leash. He states, correct me if I'm wrong, that he had been attacked by a dog or he had been. So that's something to He'd been assaulted
4: twice is what he said by dog owners, not by the dogs. Yeah.
1: Okay, okay. Cuz yeah. what cuz and and maybe he didn't get to this point but it's also if we're in the business of inferring things that maybe he felt feels threatened when dogs are off leash. I'm a person actually who walks my dog off a leash mm-hmm. and I've had people Disgusting. yell at me multiple times. It's against the law. I've had people yell at me in fear because they've been bitten by a dog or chased by a dog or something like that. And so maybe that's also where he was coming from because so he immediately felt threatened when he saw the dog off the leash. I mean, that's something to consider as well. Sure.
4: That's a, that's a possibility. And I don't, I don't discount that there are legitimate reasons for Christian Cooper to be upset. The park has rules and people are, and if people in New York know that central park has off leash hours, like between, I believe, or maybe at least up until 9 a.m., you are allowed to have your dog off-leash in most of the park. There are specific areas where you can't... The ramble is one of them. Um, But there are also other things you're not supposed to do in the ramble that people do all the time. And when I was there two weeks ago, I saw a dozen dogs off-leash in the space of an hour and a half. So this happens systematically, and there's a legit like policy failure because they don't enforce these rules. Um, Not on Christian Cooper's watch, Camille. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, Christian (laughs) Christian Cooper essentially became Batman. But... You know, again, I want to emphasize here, like the reason I told this story is like a couple fold. One, I do think that I want us to consider the fact that we live in a world where we're going to see these little viral clips and they're going to show people in their worst, lowest moments in some instances. And we have a choice to make whether or not we're going to participate in like the complete excommunication of someone from society and whether or not we're going to be curious about the context that this happened in. And I think that we should be curious because the next time it might be you or me or someone else that we care about and that matters. But then the other aspect of this is just that journalism is changing. There are journalists who see themselves as activists, who see themselves as moral crusaders and imagine that the specific moral cause that they're reporting on is more important than the truth, than the details, than, than especially inconvenient facts. And I think this is a clear example of that. Like the fact that you know about Jerome Lockett and you don't report on this because it might suggest that Christian Cooper is perhaps a less than sort of spectacular person in the sense that he's not without blemishes. He's the kind of person that goes to the park and manages to get into altercations with some regularity. Like it's it's a complicated detail, but it's a fact that matters. And in this particular case, it creates a picture of someone who You know, maybe maybe Amy Cooper had legitimate reason to be somewhat afraid. And it's possible that Christian Cooper didn't just ask nicely that he did say something that made her afraid because he wanted her to be afraid. He wanted to get her to comply in order to 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 get her to comply. He tried to make her afraid. And that's important. That's a worthwhile detail for journalists to talk about. That's the truth. Right. Mm. The truth is complicated. It's messy. And that's honestly all I want to get across here. I think we're so used to people who get a, a story like this and they want you to feel a particular way about both people. And I am telling you that I don't think Amy Cooper is a saint or um, someone who should be, you know, scorned. And I think the same thing about Christian Cooper, they're just people, They're just people on a weird ass day in New York city, caught up in the midst of the beginning of this crazy racial reckoning that has just kind of shifted the polarity on a lot of issues.
0: Yeah. It, it's interesting. See, And I'll come to another situation that I uh, I drew comparisons to and parallels to. We talked about it on the phone a little later. But I actually think that the Jerome Lockett incident is immaterial to what happened in the Ramble. And because here's the thing. So in society, we're going to brush up against one another all the time, right? we're going to brush up against one another on subways. We're going to brush up against one another on, in boardrooms. We're going to brush up against one another at ball games. All the time there're going to be interactions where people are going to get their wires crossed, right? Mm-hmm. If I get my wires crossed with somebody because Van's a little boisterous, Van likes to play too much, Van is Van is one way, that's fine. If our wires are crossed and then my race is brought into it. You've now weaponized something against me that I cannot control. So even if Christian Cooper is a hyper vigilant doggy Batman who is roaming <laughs> through the ramble looking for uh, looking for trouble, looking to push people, looking to do all, do all of those things. I think it's worth discussing what it means in that situation. And maybe this is a question that Amy Cooper hasn't even asked asked herself. What it means in that situation for her to say, "I'm going to tell people that a that an African American man is threatening me right now." And we should also say that at the point that she tells him that, and we talked about this as well. I keep saying that, but at the, I just don't want to know that you. I know you. Yeah, heard all yeah. Of this. At the point that she that that she says that, the threat is essentially over because he's recording her. He's not going to record himself assaulting her, hmm. and then and uh, well, I mean, hey, <laughs> the, the kids do the darndest things. Yeah. But, I, I, but but
4: <laughs> I, I, but I, but it's, I, his, it's his phone. You know, when you're done, you take it with you.
0: I know, but what I'm what I'm saying is that in this particular in this particular, in this particular situation, I'm looking at the recording of it, yeah. as an attempt to document this and in some way diffuse it, right? Now, it, it, I think there's a hell of a leap to be made that, you know, this guy has five or six videos on his phone of him beating up uh, off-leash ramblers. I love that, the ramble. <laughs> um, so, so so, to me, the fact that she came, became so hysterical yeah. when she was being recorded at the point that the interaction was, in my opinion, the safest because right, of, right. Of, of, of what's going on. And that's the time that she chose to weaponize race, or that's the point that we see that. Yeah. It's, to me, it seems obvious that she was wielding it as a weapon. She's saying, okay, stop recording me, or. Stop, like, or. She's not like she made the recording and then it comes out, you know, whatever. Stop recording me, or I'm going to tell them this. That language, whether or not she, that language has to be examined. Camille, because that language is dangerous it, it was
4: definitely a threat Let's not make any we shouldn't mix any make, words about this she made a threat i'm we going are. to get i'm going to get the law i'm going to get law enforcement involved the question becomes whether or not when she says an african-american man is threatening my life there are two two questions there is she saying African-American because it is a descriptive thing and it's true, and this is what she plans to tell the 911 operator when she calls? And does she actually believe that this man is threatening her life? Those are two questions to ask, but there's a third question that I also think is important. And again, it's why the rest of the context matters. What circumstance does she think she's in in this moment? Is she genuinely afraid? Is she genuinely panicked? Is there anything that could explain kind of her state of mind in that moment? And Honestly, at that moment in the video, the whole thing is weird. Like she is, when the video starts, she's on the ground and it looks like she's leashing her dog. One would imagine this is the end of an encounter if he's angry and all he wanted was her dog leashed. And suddenly she looks up and as as she tells it, I'm being recorded. And I asked her, and again, we talked for three odd hours and the, the podcast is barely an hour, is maybe an hour and 15 minutes or something. So you don't hear all of this, right. but I talked to her about it and it's, it's odd. Like I said, Amy, you're walking towards him. That's not really what you would expect someone to do if they're afraid. And she kind of talks about this as, you know, I don't really know, you know, I think at that point it's kind of a fight or flight sort of circumstance and it's, you know, is that she is looks that unhinged? She's
0: she, yanking the dog around. She it, looks, it,
4: exactly. She yeah. doesn't look well. And and look, she that dog is very important to her. She still has her dog, Henry. Um, she cares about that dog. She lives a lot of her life around that that animal's needs. Mm -hmm. Um and I think in in many respects, when I watch that video over and over again, it's not clear to me that the dog isn't in many respects kind of responding to her energy as opposed to actually being, you know, choked, because the dog isn't off all fours being dragged around, you know, off the ground. It's a little weirder than that. Um but, but I think again, it's just one has to take the rest of the context into account. And we have to just acknowledge it is entirely possible that Amy and I know the two of you feel that, you know, definitively that Amy was weaponizing her race in that context. I am I am telling you that I don't know either way. And I'm reserving judgment on that point. And I'm saying that necessarily it's necessarily true that we have to speculate about what's going on in her mind. We at least have to acknowledge that's what's happening. Um, And it's it's okay to do that. It's okay to sort of draw a reasonable conclusion about that in your mind. But so far as I can tell, it seems to me that there's a lot more going on if, in fact, She believed she was under threat and she thought a man was about to do something to her. If the details were slightly different, there's a universe where in a circumstance like that woman alone in the park approached by a large man threatened, she gouges his eyes back. Everyone would applaud him. I mean, her, excuse me for having done so. That's a slightly different circumstance, right? But it's, it's worth taking into account.
1: Even if I was listening to this and I said, you know what? I, I'm starting to understand that there was more to the story. And, you know, like, I'm listening to the things that Amy has brought to the table, and I'm hearing her side, and I'm like, okay, okay, that makes sense. And then you get to the end of the podcast, mm-hmm. and you ask Amy, what would she say? So You know, you... This is I, this bad, had Camille. <laughs> This had to shock you. This had to shock you, Like, I, 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 like I remember gasped. we talked about this. Yeah. This is bad. A full <laughs> gasp. I said... You say, what would you say to Christian Cooper? Yeah. And she says, you scared me.
3: You scared me. That's what I was
1: scared of. You scared me. Like, you even, I I really think, and please tell me, I don't want to infer, but Uh you sounded taken aback. I was surprised, yeah. Yeah. I did not expect that. can you, and and why? Why did you not expect that? What did you expect her to say?
4: Because there's a sense in which this story again, my, I approached this story the way everyone else did. I saw a 40 second video. I saw her getting increasingly hysterical. It was very hard for me to look at this story and not say, Oh wow. Cringe. And even when I discovered the Facebook post of Christian Cooper and the fact that he was a bit strange, the way I characterized this, when we talked about it on our podcast a year ago was, I think you've got two Karens who met each other in the park that day. Like one of them was like snitching and talking about, I'm going to do something to you if you don't put your dog on a leash. And the other one was like, I'm gonna call the police and get him involved. And they both should have just went home, is what I said. Um, and I feel a bit differently about that now. At a minimum, I feel like I should probably just have more grace when I'm approaching and thinking about circumstances like this for all parties involved. Um, but when she said, you scared me, it's clear that she's, after a year and more, has pivoted to a place where it's no longer about making apologies and trying to sort of satiate the anger that exists in the public when it comes to this story. It's more about embracing what she believes to be true about the circumstance, that she went out of her house. She went to go walk her dog. She didn't want to start a fight with anybody. She didn't knowingly do anything racist from her standpoint. And Christian Cooper frightened her that day. And there's a sense in which Christian Cooper did leave his house thinking that if I find somebody who has their dog off leash, I'm going to do something that at a minimum makes them very uncomfortable and makes them leash their dog because they're uncomfortable. And, you know, you scared me. It seems like a fair thing. That doesn't necessarily mean that later on in the conversation, you don't also get to I'm sorry, or I wish this hadn't happened. But she didn't tell me But she didn't tell me that that's what she would say. Um, but I, I would love to think that there is an opportunity at some point where they will meet and they will talk and they will go through these things. But if
1: she starts out the conversation like, like that. That's not very even though she said, I think that will open up the door. No, it won't. Amy, that's not the place to start. She's for, yeah. she's still Accusatory. it still seems
0: to be that she's framing the conversation around her fear and what she thought was going to happen. I'll say something else about Amy Cooper real quick. Amy Cooper also has situations with the people that she lived around that uh-huh. think that Amy Cooper, she's had some issues with people asking her to leash the dog before. And also she apparently got into some, some kind of shouting match with her doorman. She was threatening to have the doorman fired. So, I mean, your, yeah. situa- your situation about there being, and and to be completely honest with you, none of that stuff about her was explored on the podcast. It was not, no. Right. So we what we did in the podcast is that we dug into all of the things that might be problematic or I wouldn't say incendiary, confrontational about Christian Cooper's past, and we discussed them. Did you feel like Amy Cooper's past had been sufficiently discussed, or did you feel like it was immaterial to, the, to what you were trying to say um, with Bar- Barry Weiss?
4: Yeah, I think two things. One, I definitely think it's the case that uh, most of those things have been discussed at length and explored in various ways. Um, and the second thing is that when it comes to the Christian Cooper context that we added, all of that, hap- that stuff is happening in the same park with the same kind of people in virtually identical circumstances. And it's uniquely relevant context. It's not like a dispute that Christian, Christian Cooper had with his doormen or a dispute that Christian Cooper had with someone about birds you know at the grocery store some in some other context this is this is uniquely relevant context involving Christian Cooper and his particular concern about watching birds in central park and specifically watching birds in the ramble and encountering dog owners in the ramble who are doing what he belie- what what is the wrong thing there, having your dog off leash.
0: I would just say though, so would a so would a request by someone for Amy Cooper to leash her dog.
4: I think that's I think that's a fair I think that's a fair point to make. Um but I also think that again, one of those things has been explored. Right. One of those things has been reported on in numerous publications. And and really I, I just think this is so important. Nobody reported on this. Jerome Lockett's name did not appear in a national news publication until this May. That's crazy. They knew about it in some instances from last May. And I can confirm that there are multiple news organizations who knew about this from last May and didn't publish it. That Whatever else you think about me or Amy Cooper or the fact that I'm talking about this story, that should disturb anyone who is a conscious, thoughtful member of the public. Because the national media organizations that you depend upon to tell you the truth are shading that truth by excluding certain information. It is almost uniformly true that any kinds of details that could have been remotely exculpatory for Amy Cooper were omitted from media narratives for various reasons. And that should disturb us. We should be people who are curious about the context and curious about the truth. Even when it's inconvenient for us, I um, mean, I try to do that uniformly, which is the reason why this week, you know, Black Twitter is upset with me because I did They're this mad. story they don't a like month you. ago. A month ago, conservative Twitter was upset with me because I published the piece in the New York Times saying that those critical race theory bans that they want to pass are not just a bad idea; they are dangerous and stupid. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah, see, oh, Rachel, 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 likes that. I want to, you know what? I, I, I want to make Rachel happy. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna save the. Trayvon Martin corollary, uh, but if you guys can connect the dots if you think about these two situations. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna save the Trayvon Martin corollary. For it's a very one. good point. Make it make it some at some point because people need to
4: understand the relationship between so, these stories.
0: I, I I say so. Trayvon Martin is walking through his his father's neighborhood. And we're talking about an American story of one, hypervigilance and two, the way these things come out at the other end. Right. So Trayvon Martin is walking through his father's neighborhood. There's a guy who thinks for some reason that he is the specter or the, the, the the fucking controller. He's the neighborhood watch guy (laughs) of the neighborhood. He runs up on Trayvon Martin. Uh, This is a night. It's his night. It's there's some rain out there. He gets out. He's armed. He approaches Trayvon Martin. Words are exchanged. A fight happens. Uh, Trayvon gets the better of this guy. The guy pulls out a gun, kills him. That becomes an entire cautionary tale of how Trayvon Martin handled that wrong. Hey, just walk away. You handled this. You did this. You that. You did that. The stand-your-ground law says, hey, at the moment that you assault him, he can pull out his gun and kill you, even though he promote, he provoked the exchange. In this particular situation we have almost the opposite, right? We have, at this point, the black man is the one that provoked the whole interaction, right? The black man is the one, if we're listening to and uh, you know absorbing all of your information, the black man promote the interaction. Uh, the white woman, in, in my opinion, acted improperly by invoking race. Yet, we're coming back and trying to talk to everybody about what might be wrong with Christian Cooper. Whereas in the other situation, it seemed like the conversation turned to what might be wrong with Trayvon Martin. Mm -hmm. The right made a point with what Trayvon Martin was, who he was. Mm -hmm. Don't show him in the show, a picture of Trayvon Martin with a hoodie, with goals on. This was a guy who had violence brimming inside of him and was just waiting for the moment that somebody ticked him off enough for him to whoop somebody's ass. And it just seems like to me sometimes, and by the way, in that situation, Trayvon Martin wasn't doing anything wrong. Amy Cooper was actually breaking the rules of the park. I'm not with that Karen shit. You have your dog off the leash, <laughs> park in handicapped spots, do all of that stuff. I don't give a fuck. That's not somebody else's job. I don't even want to be a, I want to be in charge of making people's vacation schedules and stuff like that. Like I turned down manager positions at TMZ. I don't want to have any authority whatsoever. I hate it. But in that particular situation, when I think about those two things and I connect them, both—I'll say—both intellectually and emotionally, it frustrates me. If I'm being honest, it frustrates me. And this is where it happens because you're black. I'm not going to be honest. I'm not. Gonna be, I'm not going to lie. We have this conversation about uh, your place and how you see race, and I'm thinking why come why, why like why like what like why like what like why like why in this situation why are we doing black, black flips to prove that something that had racism injected into it was not racist and i think that i bring that emotionally <laughs> into it i'm serious and so and so and so yes. that's a, i think if i and we understand that now we've talked about this going on for 45 minutes i think everybody who's listening to this understands why that's important to you but if I was telling you the reaction of black Twitter, I'm sure you understand that's what the reaction is about.
4: Yeah. And, and my thing is, if the supposition about the importance of race in this story is the reason why journalists became incurious and stopped asking good questions about what happened here and who these people are that is worth taking into consideration because it is almost certainly happening in other contexts. I think it happened in that Trayvon Martin story as well. I think it happened in the Mike Brown story. I think it happens in narratives that we encounter all the time. And as a result, we end up missing the thread in important ways. In this particular case, I think we probably castigated um, Amy Cooper in a way that was almost certainly too severe. Um, But In other contexts, like with the Trayvon Martin thing, you get these distinct narratives. Like one is for conservatives, and one is for liberals, and we can't like agree on anything. And a circumstance that really is, I think, an unfortunate tragedy. Like whoever Trayvon Martin was, right? He's a young man whose entire life was ahead of him. He should not have died in that neighborhood that day. This was a tragedy, right? right? And George Zimmerman may have been legally justified to fire his gun. But there's something reckless and thoughtless that is happening when a man is kind of, again, against the guidance of authorities, like pursuing this kid down the street. And the kid takes notice of him and tries to defend himself. Like it's a it's a tragedy, I think, in much the same way. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to open up a Pandora's box here or do a French goodbye. But the Breonna Taylor story, I think, is like similarly complicated and tragic. Um, there is actually a great report um, by a friend of mine, Rokmini, who is at the New York Times on the Breonna Taylor story that folks should find and read because it gives you the complex reality of what happened there. The fact that there was so much going on and unfortunately it's just become like another talisman of the sense that you know black life is completely devalued by society. So police officers just kill them willy-nilly. There's actually a lot of complicated policy failures there and a lot of sure. weird social dynamics that we have to explore if we're going to meaningfully address problems as opposed to just, you know, shout at each other all the time. Um, so for me, the reason to to complicate narratives and to, to try <laughs> and get people to think about something other than race, even when it seems like race is the most important thing, is because in my experience, when it comes to fixing real problems, generally speaking, race isn't the most important thing.
0: Mm. And that's, and, and so uh, look at Rachel's face, and so uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so we're gonna do a whole another podcast because we're this is this is a one issue podcast. We were talk about the po- talk about the podcast, but you guys, there's so much to talk about with him.
3: Oh, okay, so
0: much. There's, when I tell you so much to talk about, there's so much to talk about. There's his views on race, his views on whether or not. Just go ahead and tell the people, Camille, are you black? No, neither are you. <laughs> Many How of are you. all <laughs> are you? I'm a human being. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm a man. I'm...
4: I'm a father. This I'm is, a brother. I'm this a husband.
1: Is my you can be all like, those things. I tell you, you can God. be all those things. No, we so got to so you don't check boxes. Oh my gosh, so no, much I certainly do I really wanted to talk to you about your whole Simone Biles take. I have so many questions. I have so many questions. I actually have a different um, take
4: on Simone Biles now than the one I said on the podcast. But yeah, yeah,
1: yeah I, I had what you had on the. I, I had a list. <laughs> okay, bring it back. Work, bring we work blue. Back.
4: We work blue on the podcast. We work blue. Not everything there should be taken literally. I mean, come on,
0: a little that's bit of you, grace. That's there. what y'all always say. Yeah. I was just joking around. I had a bad night as a laugh factor.
1: I didn't laugh. That's what, that's I, what y'all... I couldn't find...
4: <laughs> <laughs> you recorded that the day after. The day after. That can't I can't help if it doesn't age well. Can I just say what I'm
1: frustrated with? You're so pleasant. I You am. know, like, I wanna... I kinda, like, wanna, like... Like get at you. This is my you can dude. still hate
4: me.
0: You can still hate you're me. You're
1: a nice. No, I don't hate. I don't hate <laughs> you. But you're a nice guy. I enjoyed, I tried. I enjoyed the conversation. But I with
0: can try. I, can, I, can I say something though? I, I'll say something. And I, I'm not gonna drive into a. I'm just, I'm not gonna make it a telethon about how important it is. I'm not gonna do this. But there's an authenticity to there's a certain rhythm that a conversation has when someone authentically believes what they're what they're believing and they're not doing it for streaks whatever i completely not only do i disagree with the <laughs> i'm not black thing it pisses me off a little bit but i can <laughs> tell he means it so like for me it's not it's not just being said hey police brutality is a myth and all of that stuff it's like it's it there's it's real so we can actually talk about it and maybe we can get to a middle ground or maybe we can just passionately disagree over wine yeah. for whatever whatever for whatever time we we're in each other's presence but i appreciate you i think that you're wrong about this stuff <laughs> but I, I appreciate you and thank you for joining us today uh, on yes, higher thank learning you. camille foster uh tell them where they can check you out bro
4: uh, you can find us at The Fifth Columns at WeTheFifth on Twitter and WeTheFifth.com and uh, also check out Freethink. I am the, the co-founder of that fine organization, although most of the times in public, I'm being a hell of a lot more controversial
0: than we are at Freethink. So, but Freethink.com. All right, my brother. I appreciate right. you joining us, man. Thank you both. Appreciate no it. No problem. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Shea Moisture. We finally got some deodorants designed specifically for people with rich melanin skin from Shea Moisture. And they're amazing. Made with shea butter, black dermatologist approved. These deodorants give you and your skin the care that it needs. Now, here's the thing, Rachel.
1: Okay.
0: deodorants came to the house.
1: Yes, me too.
0: You got yours. I got them. Kalika picked one up Mm -hmm. specifically. And I was like, oh, why are you picking that one up? And she said, because it says it's even underarm tone. Mm -hmm. And she goes like, sometimes when you use the other deodorants, they leave like your underarms untoned or something like that. And she was so excited to have, it. she went back and she started using it right there, which made me wonder if she had put deodorant off for the day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, maybe she just reapplied. Maybe she,
0: but, but like, so that's a, it's a huge deal. And I've been using it too. It's very great. It's good. to it smell good. The whole yeah. Day.
1: No, 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 it is good. And it's last long. Like mm-hmm. I'm a sweater. Mm-hmm. So I need something strong. Mm. And I need, in addition to I like that it evens out the underarm. I like the moisture and all of that, but it's the, I need it to last long. And this lasts for, it's a 48 hour sweat and odor protection, which is key. Wow.
0: Uh, get the protection your skin deserves. Tap the banner to learn more or visit com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Uh, all right. Do you like Skip Bayless? I like that he's a Cowboys fan. You like that he's a Cowboys fan? And it,
1: and it stops there.
0: So you like that it stops there. You like that he's a Cowboys fan. Okay, he got, he got put in this place. Skip Bayless he got put it. in this place. You loved it. He commented on Mike McCarthy's weight, and his co-host, Jenny Taft, did not like this, and she got at Skippity Skip Bayless in one of the best ways I've seen in a long time. Let's play the entire thing.
2: Is uh, everyone who's a good coach yeah. as fit as you, Skip? Mm. Mm. I don't think that's a fair shot whatsoever. Uh,
3: I wouldn't want, I said it was a personal preference. And I wouldn't want him to be my head coach. That have not had the yeah. perfect ideal physique, including yeah. my college coach. Mm. So I don't think that's a fair mm. shot. Okay. And I'm allowed Next. to have an
2: opinion. Skip, yep. I am allowed mm-hmm. to say whatever okay, I want sure. to say on this show. Okay, as you yes. do Come too. Bruce will team. join us uh, and react no. to Westbrook's We're comment. Really and maybe I no. have more to say.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So that was amazing. Now she's going to be a folk hero. She deserves it. She stepped up. Let me ask you this. Was Skip Bayless wrong in his assessment of Mike McCarthy? Is it unfair for Skip Bayless to say that Mike McCarthy's weight in some way makes him less qualified to motivate uh, highly trained professional athletes? What do you think about that idea?
1: It's not that it's unfair. It's just stupid. Mm. It's like there's a, there are a lot of overweight coaches And, 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 and for the, and well, there are, I mean, even for the Cowboys, there've been some, so it's like just to, to the fact that the coach has to be in a certain shape for him to be able to motivate and coach his players to success. It's just a weird, odd take. Was it a slow news day in sports? I'm not quite sure. I know we talked about this on the show, that sports, you know, not just sports broadcasters, but just on TV, especially during a debate show, you're always trying to have an interesting take. This wasn't it for Skip. I'm not quite understanding why he decided to go there. But I do want to say about Jenny, what I love so much about this is that when you sit in that seat, you're, you don't really get to have an opinion. You're there to just divvy up the topic, ask the question, move the show to commercial i sat in that seat before on first take. You really don't get the opportunity to shine. And a lot of times people think you're just there as a woman, as a pretty face, to let the men do the heavy lifting. And I loved in that moment that you saw that frustration that comes from that role where she said, you know what, I've had enough. I actually do have something to say, Skip. And you could tell that that was like spilling over. That wasn't the first time she's thought that. That wasn't the first time she's felt that way. But that today she said, I have time. I've had enough. And she said, you know what? I'm actually allowed to have an opinion. And what's wild is Skip was kind of like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Jenny, that's not true. Right. And I love she stood up for herself. And Shannon's over here talking about we're a team. And Skip goes, no. No, <laughs> we're not. What's going to happen is... Jenny's gonna catapult her her career at this point. She's gonna get her own show because Skip's not gonna want her to sit in that seat anymore. And he's gonna whoa, want whoa, somebody. Whoa, whoa.
0: you think that Skip Bayless is going to get her ex gonna, out of the spot over it's at not Undisputed? Gonna come,
1: it's, that is not a one-off. I'm telling you, right? And that would like when you start when you when it comes to the public light, it's like when couples fight in public, right? They're fighting in public, they're fighting uh in private as well. Mm-hmm. That will we saw, that's not a one time thing. It just spilled over to where she had had enough. Will this happen tomorrow, next week, next month? No. But eventually, she's going to go to another show, and another person's going to sit in that seat. Watch. Yeah. I mean, that's Joy ended up leaving so she could have more of a voice and show off how great she is as a journalist on television. Yeah. She's fantastic. Right. So eventually, I think Jenny at this point has outgrown that seat, and they really need to start changing that and letting the person who's in that seat speak a little bit more. Now, do they not a spot filler?
0: Do do they seriously? Because the the reason why I say that is, well, I mean, I'm trying to think because Jay Crawford used to host first take and he did get his opinions in there a little bit more. Uh, And maybe that is.
1: And Will Kane used to do it when he used to host. He always had opinions.
0: So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, shows like that are typically about the two people sitting in the chair. And, but and, not and when it, a man
1: sits in the middle seat. Ah, you got a point. Note the difference.
0: You got a point. And
1: you've groomed an audience that expects that from you. So, like, the audience is so rude to Molly Karam Rose. If Molly starts speaking Super out, it's like... rude. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why does Molly have an opinion? Because that's the product that you've given to this audience and that's what they've come to expect. Two men debating one another, they don't want to hear from Molly. What are you doing, Molly? Molly's in that seat for a reason. She's qualified to be there. She has a long history of working in sports. She wasn't, she's not just there to sit there, shut up, and move the conversation, but that's what they've given to people. And so I do think we need to see more of when Carrie sat in that seat. She talked more. Yeah.
0: Well, well said. Well said. Well said. Well said. Uh Another story from the world of sports. Have you seen this? Between Charlotte Hornets player, PJ Washington, and Brittany Renner. Have you seen this? Did I? What are your thoughts? Okay, so this was going on. <laughs> so Brittany Renner. Shout out to Brittany also Renner. Also
1: known as? What is it? What's what's she also known as Bundles of Brittany? Brittany Bundles? bundles. Of
0: Brit- Bundle, of Brittany. Bundle-, Bundle of Brittany. Bundle of Brittany. Brittany Dallas. Because so- she's popular on. Is she from Dallas? From Dallas, yeah, She's from Dallas. Uh,
1: she's very popular on social media. Very so you popular might know on her social
0: media. She's uh, you might know her as, as Bundle of Brittany. She um, has been very open about her life, navigating the worlds of social media and celebrity. She wrote a book, um, and it was I think the name of the book was Judge This Cover, and the book talks about some of the guys that that she's dated, uh, some of the the situations she's found herself in. But the book, more to the point. Is really about the awakening that she had to come to to understand who she was and stuff. But Britney has been connected to a lot of high-profile guys, right? And she she's very out there on social media, or at least she was before. Um, she was a, a fitness model, so she would show her body on social media. She would twerk, you know, different things. People had an opinion about Britney. Um, she found love with a basketball player, P.J. Washington. Um, they, you're putting that in quotations, uh, they had a kid. They had a baby um Britney actually has been off the scene since she's been in her relationship with PJ Washington. You haven't seen Britney that much and and certainly since there's their 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 kid has been born. Uh something has happened recently to where it's obvious that this couple has broken up. Yes. Okay. He had a couple of tweets a couple of, uh, I think it was last week or two weeks ago or something like that. and It seemed like they they were going back and forth, and right when it happened, people came for Britney Renner. Uh, and now that there's a video that came out, where in the video Britney Renner is, I guess actually, you know what? Play the video. So if y'all
1: really want to try to come up off a check off a man, I mean, you could just fucking athlete. They're really done. <laughs>
0: That is Brittany Renner basically talking about getting pregnant for an athlete. This is some years ago. Um, there's jokes going on on Twitter that she's going to get $200,000 a month from PJ Washington. The, the jokes are he signed her to a... She signed him to an 18-year <laughs> contract for $200,000 <laughs> a month. I can tell you right now, there's no $200,000 a month. I know this for certain. There's no $200,000 hmm, a month. How much is it? I don't I don't know. It's, it's all brand new. It's all completely brand new. Britney was trending today on Twitter. I'm going to ask you a question, Rachel. Okay. People, people don't know the reason why these two broke up yet. They have no clue. They have, nothing, they have no idea what's going on. Is it fair that she's taking the brunt of this, even though people have no idea, like, what really happened between Britney and PJ?
1: Is it fair? No. But it's human nature to speculate, right? And so when you take the video that we just heard, when you take her book, when you take how you follow her on social media, what she's been very open and honest about, it does seem like she got exactly what she wanted. So why does she need him? She got the check. She will get a check. It might not be for $200,000. She'll get a check. She has the child. She no longer needs him, so I can see why people are inferring that. But doesn't uh, is it fair? No,
0: right. You can see why people is that something. Is that do you infer that?
1: Oof. do I think that that's why they broke up?
0: That she do, no. do you do, do you think she her her goal was to trap PJ Washington with a baby, get a baby? And
1: um, I think that was her initial goal, right? Because really? she's been very. Yes, I, she's been very honest that that is what she wants. She says, why would I go? Why would I do this? Like work and get a check like this when I can just date an athlete and get and have a baby and get but a check. It's, you realize, stupid.
0: you realize though that she's been connected to athletes who are way richer than PJ Washington.
1: And maybe they were smarter than P.J. Washington in this scenario. Maybe they got what they wanted from her and and she didn't get her ultimate goal. Who's to say she didn't try? What I'm saying is, to Britney's credit, maybe she initially... or Not credit, but maybe she initially went in saying, this is what I plan to get out of it. But maybe she fell in love in the process. Who's to say? We don't know. (laughs) You know, people go in... (laughs) You've never heard of people where they go into a situation where they might be dating this person for this reason like, and they she's end up all, actually... Like,
0: she's all that? Or you she's d- all that, you're, right? Da- it you're was for a bet.
1: It. And she ends up actually saying, you know what? This person's actually great. We, we, we don't know that. But initially, I absolutely think she went in for the check. A hundred percent.
0: But do you realize that P.J. Washington isn't like a rich basketball player? He's like a... Maybe- He's not. He's okay. not. He's not she's like a. She's twenty seven. He, he. She's twenty nine. Even he, worse. And he's twenty three. I think.
1: She's twenty nine. Being a person who has friends that are bops. Okay.
0: Wait 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 wait. You gonna straight up call her a bop? That was what you're yes. saying. Okay. She
1: admits <laughs> it. My gosh. She. I'm not saying anything. The girl <laughs> hasn't already said about herself, and I'm not judging her. You wanna ask me? Do you're I? You're not judging I, it. You just called her a name. That's what people call some will call her a groupie. But if you're gonna wear that proud, if you're gonna pursue an athlete or rapper, that is what groupies and bops do. But I'm not saying she's gonna she's wrong for that. That's the lifestyle that she's chosen for herself. Kudos to you. I just said I got friends that are like that. And I know that in that lifestyle, 29 is just a little too old for that. Okay, because they're looking at the next young thing. Okay. Cause remember, i have 29 is just... too old. You 29 you, is getting towards the end of it. They no, like them not, young.
0: Not, not now, not with Instagram. Bernice Burgos is like 65 years old. Well, She's a saying. unicorn. She she just not literally got is. with some. I'm saying, but not a, I'm telling you that Instagram has pushed the age. Instagram maybe, has pushed the age.
1: I'm I, I, out here in real lifetime, not just DMing somebody and liking them on Instagram. I'm telling you, 29 is getting a little t- you're out, you're out of it a little bit. You're on the edge. Right. She, as she has said, she's been through and been linked to multiple people. Okay. Now she had to go down to this 18 year old or they was 18 when they met. Maybe he's older now. I'm not quite sure his age. My point being is I originally, I think she initially went in, whatever it is, he makes more money than she does. Whatever it is, if she has a child, she's set for 18 years. So, as she herself has said that that was, why would she do this when she can do exactly what we just saw her do? Now. Did she maybe fall in love with him? Sure. Maybe he's the one who broke up with her. Maybe his people were clowning him about her past. Maybe people were saying, "Hey, you're or, stupid. Or, this is the or, type of person or, she is" and he broke maybe, up with her. Or
0: maybe he was misbehaving.
1: Or maybe he was misbehaving. Right. Yeah. I don't I'm not I'm not going to speculate as to why they broke up, but I really I would put money on that she initially got with him because of who he is.
0: Because of who he is now, I think uh, if I, if memory serves me correct when they got together he was still in college Kentucky yeah is that where he went he went to Kentucky when they got together he was still in college he was still he was still in college she, when they that got together.
1: is a true bop
0: oh wow see she, hold on. Rachel
1: can I, can I, can I what, what? let me tell you let me tell you that is a true because she invested in it that's actually smart she, like, worked it, right? right. She didn't say, I'm going to go meet him at a party. I'm actually giving her... She worked it, said, I'm going to get him when he's still impressionable, when he's 17, maybe 18, because sometimes they come in early. Yes.
0: Rachel, Yes. Do, do you have an issue with... No. ...a certain kind of woman? No.
1: I just said these people are my friends, but why do you <laughs> think that it's so... Why do you think it's wrong for me to call them what they... What they Uh, Refer to themselves as. Maybe they don't title themselves that, but if you look up at the definition of what it is, that's exactly what they just said they do. So why am I wrong for saying that?
0: Because I think that there's a negative connotation to it and an implicit value judgment that goes along. Rachel. Come on now!
1: I just said right. I know those people. I know. You... I know the girls who used to go to the hotels where athletes would stay when they came in town, hang out in the bathroom, change clothes, hang out in the lobby and the restaurants just so they could cross paths with these people. These were my friends.
0: Can can I can I tell you that? Like, do you think that these women would and I'll want go to, to be... the
1: game with them? Do you, <laughs> you
0: think the free tickets? <laughs> do you think that these women will want to be called bobs? Do you think if you called them a bob? In, that they would be like, oh, that's what I so, am. Like,
1: if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, why am I? Why am I wrong for saying that's what a groupie does? Like, why does that have to be wrong?
0: Because I think that right? I think that some I didn't of those, say they
1: were a hoe. If I said a hoe, now that's judgmental. I think, like to me, it's that's, the same thing. I don't think groupies are hoes. Oh my wait gosh, a, a I know minute. girls who are groupies. Uh, uh-uh. I know girls who are groupies who don't sleep with men all the time.
0: I know. I I'm not get saying that. that they
1: haven't, but there's but, a different connotation. What ho I'm is saying totally is, worse than groupie.
0: What I'm saying Ho's is Hoes
1: don't get anything well, but sex. Well, to, they give.
0: To, 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 to me, though, I think that all of these terms ho, groupie, bop, all of them, I think that they're dripping with patriarchy and come from a, a, a place where we wanted to define so, a certain woman based upon who she sleeps with. And I think but that Bop
1: doesn't mean that you have to sleep. Right, you might get something and not sleep. What if I told you Rachel's bopped a time or two in her life? Now hey. does it sound as negative.
0: No, I mean now no. does it sound but, as but negative. I tell, I tell okay. you one, th- I tell you one thing though. If I'm out somewhere, and you know uh, I'm talking to some guys, and they went to UT or something like that, and they say, "Hey, I know Rachel, man. Rachel used to be a bop." I'm gonna be like, "Yo, motherfucker, you crazy? You gonna well, talk it to would I'm, be I'm gonna be well, whatever. But I'm saying if they if they said that to me, I'd be like. Are you are you out of your fucking mind talking about her like that to me right in front of my face? I'll smack the shit out you, nigga. I'm getting mad now that. just thinking about it. Yeah, so what I'm saying... But what- I
1: also don't profess that that's the lifestyle that I live. Britney wears it loud and proud and there's no shame in that. Good for her. I actually think it's commendable that if that's the lifestyle you want to live, that you like, this is who I am. I think that takes a lot of courage because a lot of people like to hide that. So yeah. I have no problems with Britney.
0: I'm not saying you have a problem. This has nothing to do specifically with specifically. And it's not
1: negative. No, I'm just saying I have no problem with but people who that's what they are and they embrace it.
0: We've touched on this situation before. Or and this, you and always
1: try to make it bad for me. I'm not trying. You're saying, you're calling names.
0: Bop, bird, all of this stuff. You're
1: calling people names. The only person I called a bird was Drea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a
0: break.
3: Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer.
0: All right, Governor Ron DeSantis is on a mission to get rid of masks. Uh, He he, he, he was against the mask mandate there in uh, Florida. And the school board down there, school board members from all over the state have said, we are going to go with the mask mandate Anyway, and now Governor Ron DeSantis has doubled down. He has said that if any schools go with the mask mandate, although he signed, signed an executive order uh, prohibiting mask mandates, he says he's going to withhold the salaries of superintendents and school board, school board members who defy his executive order prohibiting mask mandates. He is so stuck on not having the mask mandate that he is going to hit people in their pockets if they break with him and do it anyway. The CDC has said, Dr. Fauci has said, people all over the world has said that one of the most important things to fighting COVID-19 which is ravaging through the state of Florida right now. Terrible numbers right now is the wearing of masks, but of course Governor DeSantis who has his eye on a greater prize probably in 2024 uh, does not want to be connected to mass mandates of any kind. Rachel.
1: Yeah. I saw a tweet today that said uh, Governor Ron DeSantis' kids go to a a private school that requires you wear your mask. And he continues to send his kids to that school. Yet you are having this, this executive order where you are prohibiting people from having mask mandates. You're eliminating it. It's strictly political purposes, and if you're in the state of Florida, you can vote in Florida like I can, and you're not seeing, your eyes aren't open to what he's doing and that this is all politically based. He does not care necessarily, about. it's not about you do what you want to do. It's not about... um, you know, like the, the freedom to 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 live your life mask-free. His children, if he was that serious about mask mandates, he would remove his children from the school that they go to, if that's true. I didn't research this. I just saw that tweet today. Saw it's about Ted Cruz as well, who's on the same path that uh, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis is. It's just a joke at this point. He's trying so hard. You can clearly see that the purpose behind it is all political. And- It's sickening to me that these politicians continue to protect themselves, continue to protect their families, but yet want to promote these unsafe and unhealthy lifestyles just so they can get your vote in 2024.
0: Yeah. So you're absolutely right. He wants to be the president. He thinks that he can um, he can take over the mantle of head idiot of the cult wing of. The Republican Party, and so what he's really trying to do is build up a reputation for not capitulating and owning the libs. Uh, and so he doesn't want he doesn't want any um any mass mandates because you know that's something that amongst people who don't believe in science can come back to bite you in the ass. I want people to understand what's happening, and we're not going to spend too much time on this.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: People are going to die because of this. I, I I hope that people understand as much joking as we do about COVID and stuff like that. This is real. And we're talking about politicians across the country. We saw this even going back to uh, the early days of the pandemic that don't have the intestinal fortitude anymore to, um, to do what's best for the lung capacity of their constituents. We're talking about keeping people safe, which is supposed to be the job um, of the American government. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I don't have very much faith in that. Remember, lived through Hurricane Katrina, so I know how this goes. Yeah. But what I would tell people to do is people on both sides of this, right? Look at who cares about who is breathing and who is living. A mask mandate, this is even different than the vaccine. The vaccine is something that obviously some people have big problems with. Obviously, we don't have problems with vaccine mandates here on Higher Learning, but a lot of people do, and they they feel a certain way. That's something that you have to put in your body. This is a, a, a article of clothing that you wear to... To stop the spread of a disease. What's controversial about it? To politicize right. this right right now shows the hugest, uh, the hugest neglect for human life um, that I can imagine. It's just, it's disgusting. Shame on you, DeSantis. Yeah. And I hope the people of Florida do the right thing when when he's up for re-election. Uh, I hope the people of America do the right thing yeah. if, in fact, he does run for president. You know, elections have consequences. Could have had a different guy down there in Florida.
1: I just want to say what you just said. That is so important. About people are going to die from this, but guess who won't? DeSantis. Governor DeSantis and his family. He's yeah. protecting them, but he's not protecting you.
0: Yeah. Very true. Very true. All right, let's do it. It's time. All right, you know, Trudy's back, Trudy. Trudy. A, a lot of times, Trudy, you've been, you've been, you've been good at this, but a lot of times you come in late, and we got to do this. We got to get this show on the road. Okay, so Trudy, drop it. Drop the play the song. Mailback time, time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailback time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. Okay, it's time for the mailback. Gotta get it done. Let's go. Let's go. Hurry up, Trudy. Come on. Mailback, mailback, mailback. Back. Happy to have you back, Trudy. We love you. Mailback. Do it. Do it now. Mailback. Ask the questions.
1: Oh, you're so annoying. OK, this is from Valerie Lay. If you could cast any actor to play your partner in your biopic, who would it be? Uh. Yeah, who would
0: you? Nicole Bihari. No, not her.
1: Oh, I was going to say that was a good one.
0: Uh, no, no need to get the, the dark, the, the dark tones in there. Uh. Uh, maybe Issa Ray.
1: That's a good one. Yeah. What about you? I'm gonna say I'm trying to find like age appropriate. Maybe there's a guy, and I cannot think of his name. He was in a Tyler Perry movie. I could do bad all by myself. What was that? What was his name?
0: Lance Gross? Oh no, you're talking about he's gotta be white. So uh It's gotta be Latino. It gotta be Latino. I, I could do battle by myself. Uh what about Kirk Acevedo?
1: Adam Rodriguez is his Oh name? yeah,
0: that's a good one. That's a good one. Right? Adam Rodriguez, that's yeah.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. By the way, you like you like him. You like Adam Rodriguez, I could tell.
1: No, I'm just yes, thinking it's Taraji, it's him. I'm like, oh, okay, this, this works. Yeah, you like him. Okay. Uh, okay. That's why next, I knew his name <laughs> Next question This is from Jaina Patel And this question is for Van Which Marvel hero or villain Do you think Rachel most embodies?
0: Okay uh, I won't even know who they are Villain Black Widow Black Widow is the oh. hero It's easy Okay She's the Black Widow Just ask Chris Harrison Black
1: Widow
0: <laughs> Crawls in Takes you out that gets out <laughs> uh, Black Widow is easily the hero Villain See Marvel doesn't have great female Villains so I will Just go With Villains harder um... Oh I know who. Uh, I, you know what I'm not going to go with the female villain I'm not going to go with the female villain sure. I'm not going to go with the female villain Okay uh, I'm trying to think. Villain, villain, villain. Which villain would be, Rachel? So we need somebody who is headstrong, all-powerful, uh, has multiple powers, but is out just to dominate. Um, mm, The Supreme Intelligence from from a Captain Marvel, played by Annette Benny. Wow. Binning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cree, the Kree Supreme Intelligence. Yeah, that's who you are. I'll have are. to look that up. You know everything. You try to tell people who they really are. You call them names, all of that stuff. That's I'm what you, a know-it-all. I'm bossy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brain <laughs> intelligence. Brain <Supreme laughs> intelligence. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. All right. Uh, next question. Yeah.
1: This is from Donald Bullock. Tell a story of a time you went full Karen.
0: It's never happened. I don't give a fuck what you do. Never. I don't, boy. When I tell you, I don't care what do you, you do. Do you
1: listen to the podcast? That yeah, comes, <laughs>
0: <we> no. <laughs> I like I never. I've never given a fuck what you do. I've never even been like, yo. Uh, i I've. I, there's not one. The, may, the only thing is maybe, maybe I've laid on the horn waiting for somebody to get out of a parking space. But like, maybe is that is that is that Karen? That's a,
1: that's a little no. Karen would get out of the. Karen would block them in, get out of the car, and start yelling at them. Yeah. So no, 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 I've never I like if I ever have a moment where I'm like. Complaining about something, it's usually because there's some type of discrimination right. and that does not make me a Karen.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. OK. All right. Uh, last one. Let's go.
1: This is from Marley Emma. What's your favorite restaurant in L.A.?
0: <laughs> Ruth's Chris. Really? <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's everywhere.
0: I don't give a fuck.
1: I don't don't, even know where Ruth Chris is out here.
0: Who knows? It's right over there on Beverly. Like I like. I I don't know why. I've been to all the great restaurants and they're all amazing. (laughs) I've been to all of the greatest restaurants here in LA and they're fucking fantastic. Okay, I just like plain old Ruth Chris. I'm a simple man.
1: You're simple. I I would say they're everywhere too. I'm trying. No, you know what restaurant I really like out here? Scopa.
0: Scopa's great. I judge
1: restaurants by their pork chops. Yeah. And they have a fantastic pork chop okay. Italian restaurant in Venice. Uh, it's great, it's one of my favorites.
0: Hunk of pig, all right. Mm. Uh, all uh, right. Do you have a? Uh, do you thank you? Mailbag's done, it's over. No more mailback, all right. Thank you. I do want to say that there is somebody who uh reached out in mailbag this week, and their name was My Own Spark. I like that. I like that for whatever reason. Your name is My Own Spark. Mm-hmm. We're not going to read your question, but I just have to tell you that's the name Be Your Own Spark. I love that. Okay, do you have an uh, 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 ally of the week? I'm going to share yours. Oh, this is great. Because you shared it with the group. This is great. Wherever you at, Christopher, wherever you at, Christopher, Christopher is my unexpected ally of the week, and we are going to play the sound, play the entire thing. This is why Christopher, who called out the usage of the Confederate flag, is my unexpected ally of the week. Chris, you that's what I'm talking about Chris do your thing bro so eloquent man so eloquent Chris do your thing play it right now
2: like, like what it's like how the war started it's kind of evolved into like a racial thing when really it was not started as a racial thing at all and I think that like it should absolutely be flown like, okay. like publicly any other opinions as far as in agreeing with him or disagreeing with him okay Mr. Justice you do have a right to fly it I do not think it should be flown on public property, like in front of a state house. You can also fly it at protests. But you mentioned misconceptions. There are no misconceptions about that flag. The flag that we see today is not actually the Confederate flag. The Confederate flag is similar to that of the United States. It has a blue upper right hand corner with seven stars in a circle, two red stripes and in the middle a white stripe. The flag we see today is an interpretation of a Confederate battle flag and the interpretation went up in the 1960s around the time the civil rights movement started and to the point where it's not racially motivated then how come it's a symbol for so many groups like the KKK and the National Socialist Movement who as you all probably know have white supremacist and neo-Nazi ideologies also I find it ironic that people claim to be patriots when they fly that flag the Confederates stabbed the Union in the back they shot first they murdered 500,000 American soldiers and they argued that it was because of states rights I ask states rights to do what? what were we considering getting rid of at the time? not guns, we weren't trying to raise taxes it was slavery we were trying to stop the expansion of slavery to the west the southern aristocracy panicked and left the union they said we are not Americans we are from the South, so we're starting our own country. And then they proceeded to launch numerous terrorist attacks against the Union, shooting at Fort Sumter, murdering 200 people in Lawrence, Kansas.
1: Amazing. Where was that?
2: They were in some kind of high school,
0: maybe a boy's state or something. I don't know. I couldn't tell. Okay. I couldn't tell. I couldn't yeah. tell. All right, Rach, uh, you're out of here. You're going. You're, you're traveling. Okay. Um, yes, I am. Where do you have to go?
1: I'm going to Columbia
0: oh gonna be a lot of
1: fun first time going oh wow yes what a uh, special Brian's time cousin I know Brian's cousin's getting married she's had to postpone it a few times um so it's finally happening very excited mm-hmm.
0: look guys yeah. no, no Columbia jokes look I could have done it but I didn't do it. I learned from the last time that I made a joke and you guys lit my ass up thank you to our producer Richie Bozek and our social producer Trudy Joseph, we appreciate you guys For helping us wrangle the show in today And do everything that we do every single week Trudy, we're so happy to have you back, we love you Um uh, Take your theme caps off, but do not stop learning I am Van Lathan. I'm Rachel Lynn Lathen